Welcome to Season 5 of the Another Startup Story podcast. My name is Carmen Tang, your host, and together we'll explore and enjoy conversations around entrepreneurship, creativity and leadership. In our careers, businesses, passions and especially our visions, you're invited to learn a lesson with us. On today's episode, we will be focusing on topics sitting at the intersection of fashion and e-commerce and how Rachel Lynn started the online fashion business known as Love Bonito at the age of 19. So Rachel co-founded the online fashion business at the tender age of 19 when she she borrowed her mum's life savings to build this multi-million dollar fashion label, with her main focus being on marketing, branding and design. She also oversees community building, content creation and customer service, all key areas to any e-commerce business. Rachel has redefined the fashion scene in Singapore and grew her, grew her $500 blog shop outfit into a multi-million dollar label. And the brand remains the leading fashion label in Asia, designed specifically for the modern Asian woman, and has grown beyond Singapore to Hong Kong, Malaysia, Indonesia, Cambodia, and also Australia. And she's also honoured by Forbes' Asia's 30 Under 30 in 2016. And in this episode, we get real about the journey she's been through in growing one of the most no- notable fashion brands in the region over the last 14 years. We look at her strategic approach in the e-commerce space and her own personal growth strategies and key beliefs she's had she's had to develop in order to grow personally and professionally. So without further ado, let's get started. So hi Rachel, how's your morning been? Hey Carmen, good to be here with you. Thank you for having me. It's been a rainy morning. Yeah. All morning. All morning, yeah. Yeah, so, well I'm super interested in your startup story. So, um, so we first met through, well, we actually met the first meeting today, but I guess I heard about you guys through, you know, kind I was researching into the e-commerce space here in Singapore and, um, Love Manita really stood out to me. And then, you know, fast forward over a year later, I get a casting from my (laughs) agency to model for the brand. And so that's kind of how we know each other. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I just want to kind of dive straight in and, you know, when I was doing my research about you and um, found out that, you know, you borrowed your mum's life savings to start Love Bonito. Yeah. Now, you know, that requires a huge level of faith to kind of go beyond and, and take that risk. Mm. So can you just share a bit more about the kind of origin of the story? Yeah. So I think, you know, you talk about taking a huge leap of faith. I think it was also a huge leap of faith more on my mom's part. Because, you know, when I, when, I, when I first started, co-started the business with my co-founders early in the days, we were in university and this was just, we were just doing something on the side. Uh, in fact, it, we started because we wanted to sell our pre-love clothes online for extra pocket money. So clothing pieces that we would wear, you know, uh, a few times, but, you know, wouldn't wear it again, maybe because we couldn't fit into it or things like that. So uh, that was how it really started. Uh, and then we ran out of clothes to sell online and people kept coming back for more. And you must know that this was 14, 15 years ago mm. where online shopping in Singapore was unheard of. There wasn't even anything like Instagram, Facebook or the yeah, like. So crazy. it was really even way before its nascent stages. Uh, so yeah, I know we went to school and we decided, okay, why don't we use the money that we had saved to go overseas to import, to sell. So we did that for a while, but I realized that, hey, there's always something missing from the pieces that I would bring in, be it the mm-hmm. color, the fit, uh, the design quality. Uh, and you also realize that a lot of international fashion brands out there cater to the American European women mm-hmm. who have very different body proportions, totally. uh, climate needs, or even skin tone from us Asian mm-hmm. women. 
So um, in my final year of university with no design, no fashion, no business background, I decided to come out to co-start the business. Uh, and that was when I also had to borrow a five-figure sum of money from my mom to break my bond with the government because I was bonded to the government uh, for my university. Right. Yeah, so that was the sum of money that I had to borrow. And I think the extra tricky thing was that was the same year that um, my it was a, it was a financial crisis and my dad was going through bankruptcy. And so the amount of money that I needed was um, it amounted to my mom's entire life savings then. Mm. So this was in 2010 and you know when I went up to her uh, she was so worried right because back then yeah like I said online shopping hasn't even taken off at all and she was so worried that you know this would not be a legal business because uh, we just couldn't she, she couldn't really understand the concept then as well so uh, so that was how it was and she decided to take that leap of faith uh, and, and for me I think that step also helped me uh, realize that you know, I cannot fail. That's also one of the reasons why I realized that I can't fail. And I really needed to uh, give my 110% to do this well. So, yeah, that was the, the backstory of it. Oh, wow. So you almost had, like, something to lose in a way. Mm. So that kind of drove you to, mm. yeah, make sure, do everything yeah. in your willpower to make sure it does work out. Yeah, it's true. Because I think back then why I decided to take that leap of faith was also because... Uh, the momentum of the business was building mm -hmm. and I couldn't focus. Yeah. yeah, I had a lot of traction. We had a lot of traction back then and I couldn't focus on, you know, both my schoolwork and examinations and juggling with the business. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in school, I would worry about, you know, the emails that I had to reply yeah. to or the stocks <laughs> to send out. Yeah. yeah right. uh, and when I was at home, you know, uh, replying to customers, I would worry about my examinations and, and, and homework. So I knew that I had to pick one. Mm -hmm. And for me, back then, I was still young. And I, and I told my mom and I told myself that, if the business were to fail, I can always go back to studying. Mm -hmm. But if I did not try this and strike when the iron is hot, I would forever regret. Yeah. So I think that was what drove me as well to uh, take that leap of faith. How old were you at the time? Uh, back then, 2010, uh, I was 22, 23. Wow, that's yeah, insane. That's 22. Yeah. Yeah. And what, were you studying like marketing or anything related at uni? I was studying to be a teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah, in university. Like in the same yeah, not even anything. Like not, not, in, not in business and not in anything. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I always just loved to um, influence and impact people. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, be it through education or be it through the business that, that mm -hmm. we have built in Le Bonito. So, yeah. Yeah, amazing. And, you know... On that topic, would you advise young people today to mm. kind of who are looking to pursue their startup dreams? I mean, obviously there are so many other factors, right? And so, what what kind of advice would you give for someone who's you know hearing your story and is like, I'm so inspired now, I just want to do it, you know? Yeah. Firstly, I must say, Carmen, that back then when I first started, uh, it was a very different climate than it is today, mm. right? And today, uh, it's it's. In, in almost every industry, it's so much more competitive. Mm. Back then, when we first started, we were the first movers. We were the pioneers in the scene. So it was a very different time from today as well. And I think a, a, a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of pressure for 
um, for us to be entrepreneurs today, right? Mm. I mean, there's so much talk about, you know, oh, in order to be successful, you must be an entrepreneur. And I, I think for me, when, when I speak to students in universities, mm -hmm. in polytechnics, I would always tell them that, you know, look, there is no age limit to being an entrepreneur. What I would do, you know, if I were you, is I, I would actually... Um, work with someone, work under someone to learn the ropes of, you know, mm. how to run a business or even, you know, have a look inside how a business is like. Because there's so many unseen things that we do not get to see. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that, you know, from the outside looks that may look glamorous, but actually on the inside, it's, it's very, very tough. It's very unsexy. It's, <laughs> yeah. You're right, it's very unsexy. So I think for me, um, yeah, I don't, don't be in a hurry mm -hmm. to start your own business. Uh, yet at the same time, you know, um, don't wait too long. Mm -hmm. I think there's this quote by James Clear where he says, you know, don't rush, but don't wait. Mm -hmm. Do it thoughtfully. And I thought that that was so true because, yeah, I think so many times you, you need to be absolutely sure of why you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a prime example is when I was giving a talk in um, the National University of Singapore uh, a while back and I was just asking the students okay so how many of you want to be entrepreneurs and you know they would raise their hands and uh, I would say at least 80% of the mm -hmm. hall raised their hands and I was like okay so what do you want to do what do you want to start uh, what's the need that you want to meet and some of them would look puzzled and they would say yeah hmm, what do you think we should start and to me, I'm like, oh no, that's not uh, any way that one should start your business. You know, you can't do it for the sake of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. wanting to be an entrepreneur. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's so much pressure today. And I think the media also over-glamorizes yeah, entrepreneurs. Exactly. And that's something that, that's why I believe so much in also coming out to share about my journey and, and the struggles behind it and the lessons that I've learned. Mm. And yeah, to remind people that, hey, yeah, you success comes in different ways for all of us you don't have to be an entrepreneur to succeed in yeah, life totally. yeah totally there's a really interesting um it's just like a twitter post or maybe it was on linkedin by a guy called stephen i can't remember his surname stephen bartek i think i don't know if you've heard of him he's like huge in the personal development space he started his own social media agency at like 19 or something oh wow but um yeah i try i'll try and grab it out and put it in the show notes but it talks about mm. how yeah entrepreneurship is totally over glamorized and even though an entrepreneurial spirit is, you know, very, it should be kind of encouraged in everyone, but that doesn't necessarily, like, there's so many different types of entrepreneurship, you yeah. know, and, you know, all it's about is, like, having that holistic um, lifestyle where you're actually learning and growing, exactly. and obviously you're earning enough, but you're yeah. giving back, it's like, that doesn't necessarily have to fit into an entrepreneurship box, right? Exactly right. So, mm. yeah, it's really, it's mm. a really good answer. So, for you, you know, you started the business um, when you were like 19, 20. Do you remember the kind of the monumental turning point as to when um, Love Benito started to scale? Because like you said, nowadays there's so many e-commerce platforms, especially within the fashion space, and it's almost become overcrowded in a way. So do you remember the kind of key turning point as to when you started to scale the business? Mm. I think for us, wow, I think there were there were there were quite a number of key turning points in Love Bonito's journey. And I think for us, uh when we first you know, initially I said right, we, we started on a blog shop platform before we decided to come out on our own to be on a dot com platform, uh to also design and manufacture our own pieces to create our own label. And and that that was also the first day when we launched. 
the site crashed for eight hours and we couldn't get it up. You know, we were yeah. panicking. And that was also part of it was inexperience and yeah. you know the tech the tech scene what and all that. What platform were you using? Was uh, it, like it was PrestaShop and uh we yeah, but we were on the yeah. Uh, no, we, so we moved. No, we moved away from press shop. So we went on our own dot com. Uh, uh, sorry, we moved away from Live Journal. Right. And right. we mo- moved to our own dot com. And so, yeah. Uh, and you know, the back end crashed. Everything crashed, and we were like, oh, okay, this is tough. So, um, yeah. I mean, that that was also when we knew that wow, you know, the demand is there, and we really needed to double down our efforts to also meet the needs of our community. So I think it's, that was also when we found our footing into uh, really creating and perfecting our designs and fit for the Asian women, mm-hmm. right? Firstly, we believe that a great piece of clothing and a great outfit does not have to burn a hole in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, when you look good, you feel good. You mm-hmm. stand a little taller, uh, you shine a little brighter, and you speak a little louder. And that's what we want for women. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really starts from there. So it goes down to the way we create and design for our customers, right? Um, we are anal, absolutely anal about the fit of our clothing. Mm-hmm. Like, why is the collar, you know, not one inch thicker or thinner? Why does the waistband end exactly this, this part of our uh, waist or why is the length uh, not half an inch longer or shorter mm. little details like that matter so much to mm. us and when a woman puts on a piece of low bonito clothing she feels great mm. and she feels amazing and I think that's what we want for women I think it also started because for me initially when I, when, when I was shopping in my early days growing up uh, I, I found that I could not fit into any pair of pants that you know the, the brands out there were selling and I and I thought that oh it must be me because my hips are too big and too wide and and things like that but it wasn't until we came out to create our own pants for the Asian physique uh, that we realized that hey wow you know there's a lot of nuances that mm-hmm. uh, that Asian women have that's quite different from the rest mm-hmm. so that's also where we found that a lot of our women community related to us and could relate to that as well so yeah I think that was um, how it really started and how it also took off and yeah that was how we also found our footing into going into really uh, perfecting the fit to empower women mm, yeah so it's very much all in the details it's yeah. so true though, I think, obviously, me having grown up in the UK and... Oh, yes, come on, you would know. Yeah. It's so hard to find like a good pair of jeans that actually That's fit affordable, well. that's of great quality, yeah, that fit well, well, yeah. Because, yeah, Asian bodies are, are very different. Very to different. Say, you know, yeah. African bodies or, you know, European bodies. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> um, what have been some of the kind of main challenges, probably so many as, as everyone does, when starting a business, everyone experiences. But what were some of the main challenges that you really faced throughout the process of scaling the e-commerce business and how did you overcome them? Yeah, that's a good question. I think in 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 all stages, we would face different problems and different issues, right? Uh, for me, uh, the biggest, the biggest uh, and most important thing to get right is our people. And I think... And I truly believe as to what Jim Collins says, he always says, you know, the right people at the right time of the business, at the right seat of the bus is crucial. 
and that's that that's so meaningful to me because sometimes when you see when when you hire someone too soon or too late you know at the stage where your business is at there's there's misalignment and yeah. it, it's just not suitable and even if you hire so-called the right person but put him or her in the wrong seat in the organization with with the wrong responsibilities mm-hmm. and 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 teams to take care of i think that's also something that you know, can cause misalignment as well. So I think that is something that throughout my journey, I've also tried to be very conscious of. And I think, yeah, I have many lessons about, you know, hiring, uh, getting the right people on board, and also um, where the, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, tolerating uh, certain behavior and attitude that's not befitting uh with your vision and mission and values uh, versus letting them go as well. So I think that's something that has been very important for mm. us. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. When I look at startups, like they always say your first hires are like the most important. Um, it's like one of the most important decisions. Yeah. So do you have any specific tools that you use to, I guess, like j- help you with your judgment as to is this person the right person for La Finito? Is this person the right fit for this role, you know? Like, do you use, like, personality tests or anything kind of tangible? Yeah. Or is it just very much intuition and judgment yeah. on your side? Yeah. I think for different levels and different seniority, I think we also employ... Okay, so, for example, I think intuition and gut is key, right? When you speak to someone, and especially today where most people are so skilled in giving the right answers. Mm-hmm. They're so good at interviews, right? Yeah. I think you need to be able to, t- to tell, you know, a donkey from a thoroughbred in a sense where you need to be able to tell uh, when someone is, you know, just, you know, um, uh, when, when someone reveals their true self instead of, you know, just giving you answers that you want to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think that's something that it takes a lot of practice mm-hmm. and, and intuition to be able to tell and push yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of times also for, for, for much for senior hires we take them out beyond the interview setting, mm. you know, to a drink, yeah, a coffee, yeah. to also, you know, see them in a casual setting yeah. to see how they would behave beyond, you know, an office interview, for mm. example. And then for senior hires as well for us, we also look at, you know, um uh strengths finders test, which is something yeah. I personally believe a lot in. Uh, and I think so I think that's important also because you need someone that really complements and adds diversity and strengths to the leadership team mm-hmm. and management team. So I think these are some of the things that we look at. What are some of the core characteristics that you look for um, within the people that you employ? I, I think for me, clearly someone with the heart and attitude for people. Mm-hmm. I think in Love Bonito's core value, number one is people matter. And I truly believe that mm-hmm. the organization is nothing without people and people are not just here to you know be a a cock in the machine or Mm. you know for for me I think that's very very key and to be honest we spend so much time at work in a week right sometimes we see our colleagues more than we see our family and parents and it's so important to have the right team and the right team is some are people that you know who have a growth mindset number mm-hmm. one number two I think they are open to giving and receiving feedback yeah I, I think that's super key uh, they are self-aware mm-hmm. I think that's something that is also really important so yeah I think these are some of the key values that we really really look out for yeah and it, in the you know occasional times that I've worked with the love Benito team it's just they're, they're so lovely you know oh. you can tell they all love their jobs and they're really happy there thank and, you that means you know, so much that, yeah that energy just kind of transpires mm. and um 
Yeah, I love what you've said about the, the growth mindset. I'm intrigued to know what your perspective is on a, on a growth mindset and what that means to you. Yeah, I think for me, the world is changing so quickly today. And this, I, I think easily, even, you know, when you run a business, what worked, you know, what strategy worked that worked two years ago or one year ago might not work today. And I think consumers' preferences and needs and the way they view life, the world is changing so quickly. And I think for us as individuals and as leaders in the business, it's really important to be nimble, to be able mm -hmm. to, you know, keep up with uh, all the changes that's going on in the world. And I think it, even in terms of challenging our, our, our mindsets and beliefs that we had previously. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, you know, is very important. Don't be stuck in our mindset. And I think throughout the journey, I have had to learn and unlearn a lot of things myself mm -hmm. as well. And, and I think, yeah, constantly challenging yourself, surrounding yourself with people smarter than you, people who are willing to also um, not just agree with you all the time but also willing to push back and question mm -hmm. and, and 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 i think yeah just constantly be accountable to you know the decisions that you make i think that's super key for us yeah definitely i think i've been reading a lot up around like neuroplasticity and how our brains can be rewired yeah and once i kind of delved deeper into the topic that totally blew my mind i was like well actually i don't have to think the way that i've always thought you know exactly and i guess that kind of yeah links into the growth mindset and knowing that yeah, you can, you you can, it's not just about getting smarter, but it's getting better and being able to, yeah, make those small incremental changes in your daily habits. And exactly. In the business as well. Just yeah. Because all those small changes accumulated over yeah. months and years will, yeah. will be the ones that will make the big difference. Yeah, growth. yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you just spoke about, obviously, consumer changes and mm. consumer taste and fashion is constantly changing. Mm. Um, what kind of, I guess, you know, when we look at the e-commerce businesses, um, you need to think so much about product, technology, brand and design, creativity. Um, and I kind of want to talk a bit more about data and how you guys at La Finito use data to essentially, you know, grow more in sales and in revenue. Yeah, I think that's cool. And, and data is very important to us, as it should be with any other company as well, right? I think it gives us a lot of insights to, you know, the customer behavior. So for us, we track almost anything that we can get our hands on, right? Um, to, for example, uh, um, of course, you know, on the product, on the product uh, point of view, you know, um, what's the conversion rate for a certain product, uh, which color sells better, what sizes uh, work better for certain designs and silhouettes, so that informs us a lot of things. Uh, but I think beyond data, I think I also wanted to talk about, you know, for us, data is great and data tells us, for example, uh, what sells and what doesn't sell, but it's only through the interaction with customers that we understand why it sells and why it doesn't sell. And that gives us a lot more insight and a lot deeper insights, you know, to, oh, okay, so that's why it sells. So a lot of times when we just look at data alone, you know, for example, we can only make assumptions as to, oh, okay, this top isn't doing well. I guess it might be because, hmm, that the sleeve is too long for their liking, for example. But we, we would mm -hmm. never know for sure, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and unless, you know, there's a certain pattern that comes up. Uh, but what we realized also, which is also why we opened physical stores, is because when you observe and talk to customers, you get that, you get that accurate insight from them. You know, so 
well, you know, one of the ways that we, we train our uh, retail girls is to really talk to our customers. For example, when they're in a fitting room and they come out and, you know, uh, and, and they, they, they decided that, oh, okay, I wouldn't purchase this. Yeah. And we would ask, oh, is everything okay? Is anything that we could have done better? And that's where they would also share, hmm, yeah, maybe the colour uh, doesn't really suit me. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and it's all this little things that we collect, the qualitative data that we collect so that is kind of so important. Yeah, so, so wow. every week they would share it in, in you know, their, in, in their department group meetings right, right. and then the leads would share back with um, mm-hmm. HQ, which is us, mm-hmm. and that's what we would collate mm-hmm. and see, you know, oh, okay, cool, this is a recurring feedback for this design or a recurring feedback for a certain uh, marketing campaign, mm-hmm. for example, little things like that. That is so precious to us and that's when we realise, wow, there are limitations to data at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for us is to couple and supplement it with uh, qualitative yeah, data qualitative. that we really want to yeah. get at the end of the day. So, yeah, that's how we look mm-hmm. at data in the Fonito. I love that. I think it's so hard for a lot of startups to actually find that. You know, obviously you understand data, but data only shows you so much, right? Exactly. And it's the qualitative yeah. data that's important. That's why, you know, you have like brand strategists who have 20, 30 minutes long phone calls or interviews yeah. to really understand the consumer yeah. because I think we always think we know what's best but yeah. everyone has their own preference at the end of the day and for any business not just in the fashion space as well yeah, it's really true. kind of getting to the root of the problem or you know yeah. the preference in that case yeah and instead of you know making our own assumptions yeah. which may not be accurate at the end of the day it's yeah. our best guess against the, yeah, yeah exactly. so yeah. yeah so qualitative data is so yeah. important yeah um I kind of just want to move on to the topic of like regenerative fashion and you know mm. when we think of fashion we think of you know glamour billboards very much sex appeal and we often ignore the very unsexy parts of like land and labor exploitation and um that the fashion industry can sometimes be based on um, um and even if you don't kind of consider yourself as a fashionista i think a lot of consumers are being a lot more conscious in the purchases that they buy now and trying to understand where the fabrics are come from and all the raw materials. Um, and so I guess my question is, um, how does Love Bonito create a positive impact and kind of mm. reduce the negative impacts of fashion in that regard? Yeah, for sure. I think for us, first and foremost, we believe that, you know, fashion is not just um, uh, just wearing it a couple of times and throwing it away, right? I think for us, uh, when we create a piece of Love Bonito clothing, we ensure that it can last through wear and tear and even, you know, the machine wash through at least, you know, five years, six years. We've even had customers tell us that, oh, the blazer that I got from you guys eight years ago to today, I'm still wearing it. So I think that's really important for us where the quality of the the fashion in terms of the workmanship and the fabric that we use uh, is can last us, mm-hmm. right? It's not just something that, oh, we would wear for a while and then we have to throw it away because it tore apart. So I think that's really important to us. I think at the end of the day, we want to make um, we want to make fashion uh, accessible to everyone mm-hmm. and we want to democratize fashion in a sense where um, it should not burn a hole in the pockets, like I said, right? And I think at the end of the day, quality matters. And for the price that you're getting, the value is amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's something we pay a lot of attention yeah, to. Yeah, and and the other thing is, we also realized that hey, you know, actually, if we think about it, uh, sustainability is also not just buying less for the sake of 
Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, yeah. especially for you know um, women, uh, they they would want you know new pieces to wear uh, for work, you know to go out things like that. And I think it's not just about buying less, but for us, you know, even for myself, it's about periodically, like maybe every three months, every quarter, to look into my wardrobe and to pick up pieces that. I wouldn't wear anymore, I, or I haven't worn for a while. Mm-hmm. They have been in my wardrobe for the past few years. They have lasted me through. Um, to maybe take them out and donate them to women who need it more than I do. Mm-hmm. So in Love Bonito, we actually partner up with um, some women organizations to donate, uh, you know, uh, pieces from uh, ourselves mm-hmm. or even our community uh, to be able to help the underprivileged women who need these pieces mm, as well. Yeah. So I think for us, it's also creating that circular economy yeah. uh, that you know we want uh, for, for other women to be able to uh, benefit a lot more mm-hmm. from the pieces that we do not wear anymore that are of still very decent quality. Mm. So that's how we also look at sustainability in that sense, yeah. right? And I guess, yeah, number one, through the quality and price that we produce at. Uh, and then number two, of course, you know, it's not about disposing and throwing it away but it's really about taking those pieces and donating it to mm. someone out there who needs it more than us and having a new home for them you know like exactly that. yeah, yeah. I love the circular economy not just in the fashion space but also fmd as well it's just yeah. so important and i think yeah. now consumers are becoming a lot more conscious and they want to know what is the, you know the journey from start to finish of this one this piece you know mm. this jeans mm. new pair of jeans or you know mm. this blazer so yeah. yeah no i really love that Mm. Um, and so, you know, obviously you've been a very busy woman. You've recently just given birth to a baby Ollie. Yeah. Now, how many months He's old? four months. Four months. Yeah, as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. As we speak. This is... Um, I, maybe, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe someone will listen to this one year later. Right, right. That's true. That's true. He's four months as we speak. Yes. You know, and well, yeah, you, aside from running your, um, running your business and having a newborn baby... Um, you also do a lot of talks at universities and you're constantly, you know, hands in very many uh, honey, honey pots. So. <laughs> so my question for you is, how have you, how do you stay true to the core of who you are whilst kind of running your brand and doing everything and being an individual mm. as yourself and mm. also being a businesswoman? So the question is, how do you, yeah. how do you make sure that you're very grounded and you, you stay true to yourself when you're getting yeah. pulled in so many different directions all the time? Yeah, I think for me, I've learned in my journey to constantly be very conscious of what I'm doing and the decisions that I'm making. Uh, to not just go through life, but to grow through life. Mm-hmm. And I think in order for, for us to do that, we have to spend time being introspective, self-reflecting, mm-hmm. and constantly taking a pause to look at, you know, okay, this is what I'm going through now. Uh, am I proud of it? You know, mm-hmm. I'm in this stage and I'm in this season. Uh, am I proud of, you know, what I'm doing, you know, and what I'm involved in? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, being very self-reflective has been a key, key part of uh, my growth journey as well. Uh, so how I do it is also... Um, I wish I could do it every day, but I think a lot of times I really take, I, 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 I really do it only on the weekends, on a Sunday, once a week, where I would sit down, spend about you know an hour with myself to write down how my week has been, mm. uh, reflections for that week, how I felt about certain situations that happened, why I felt about, why I felt those ways about 
those situations, being very honest with myself, mm -hmm. you know. And when I look back, I realized that, hey, there were certain patterns, uh, you know, to incidents, incidents that made me frustrated, incidents that brought me joy. Mm -hmm. And I think those were important for me as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think being very conscious in that sense and constantly being aware of what mm -hmm. I'm going through and, and why I'm taking up certain projects and why I'm turning away certain projects mm -hmm. as well. I think that's key for me. So I think at every different season, there are different priorities for us. And in this season where I just entered motherhood, I am still struggling to find my rhythm. It's been hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that I am also someone who, well, firstly, I think being a full-time mom is a very, very different calling. And, and that's a huge, huge responsibility mm -hmm. as well. That for me, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I'm someone who also still needs to keep working um, and serving in terms of, you know, uh, growing the business, being a part of the business. So, and in this stage with Ollie now, I'm also trying to find my rhythm to balance it. And also knowing that, you know, um, my marriage, right? Also yeah. to ensure that I do not neglect that. Uh, and it's hard. Uh, and I would say that actually the last couple of months have, have been really hard as well. And I think, yeah, learning and being mm. intentional and, yeah, and just asking for help. Yeah, I think that has been really that has been crucial for me in this in this season mm -hmm. as well. What does your husband do? Does he have time? Is he kind of a bit of a workaholic, or does he, he have time to spend with Ollie as well? Yeah, so we both work. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty intense as well for mm -hmm. us at work. So he's a, a hotel interior designer. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think the last few months as well, you know, has been pretty tough for him at work and. And I think that's there's also a lot of pressure and challenges, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes it, it's also hard not to bring our work stress home. Mm -hmm. But I think we also have to be very mindful with each other. So I think yeah, both of us, you know, are just really learning to communicate and talk it out, yeah. and to be very aware. And you know, e even if um, we're overwhelmed by pressure, to be very conscious not to. Um, for example, snap at each other mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, lose our patience with each other and things like that. So yeah. being very conscious and finding our own avenues also to de-stress, to unwind has been imp very important for us. Do you have any kind of tools or tips? I mean, obviously over COVID, it's been so many different stories amongst relationships, yeah. you know, being such small confined space yeah. and spaces. And so, you know, do you have any specific tools or tricks that you use to try and ensure harmony in your relationship yeah. like you mentioned communication and yeah i think we all know this but we, we forget how important it yeah is. Like, how it's do we true yeah you know? so so for so example hard. it's true and i would say you know covid is tough you know uh because also i think like you say confined in a small space where it's like 24 7 which to be honest has been great for my husband and i but i think when you throw in the uh a kid into the mix it's tough because you have raging about not raging but you have hormones you know yeah, uh, yeah. going uh going all all over the place you have um work stress you have you know a lot of stress from also trying to understand your kid and what he's going through so for me i i think one of the things that i realized is that hey you know actually um at work we have 
dedicated one-on-one -on -one meetings with uh, the people that we work closely with at work, right? So mm -hmm. uh, we set aside one hour a week to talk about everything and anything that we're going through, the struggles and feedback for each other and how you know each of us can help each other be better and any of the blockers that we're facing mm -hmm. or the highlights for the week. And I realized that, hey, actually I should do that with my husband, <laughs> who is the closest person I work with at home yeah. for the house. So that's something that we have recently done that has been incredible in a sense where you just realize that, wow, it's so much better to talk things out and talk things through and to set aside that one hour yeah. uh, to... One hour a week. One hour a week, sorry. Okay. Yes, to understand each other's perspectives, each yeah. other's struggles and perhaps, you know, clear up certain misunderstanding mm. that we realize, oh, wow, I didn't know you thought about it that way, yeah, but I can yeah. see why you misunderstood it. So that in, communication in that sense has been great mm. you know sometimes it has to be structured in that sense because if not you would never find a way to talk yeah <laughs> yeah because if not yeah. you will always be too tired too mm -hmm. busy or you will sweep it under the carpet totally. which is bad so that's and then something that, you know kind of boils up doesn't it it does practice. and it's and it's terrible toxic, yeah, yeah it's toxic so yeah that's a really good tip so <laughs> essentially being yeah setting maybe it's even better to talk about we're actually doing a workshop on um, productivity in a couple of weeks oh you are looking at you know, like time batching, not time batching, but I actually now block out, like, say in the mornings I'll use to, like, read or whatever, I'll yeah. put it as an appointment in yeah. my calendar. Yeah. So maybe it's about putting, you know, it, that one hour with your partner yes. in the calendar. It's like, true. Maybe not Friday afternoon, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever, Monday morning. Yeah. Talk about. No, it's true. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's necessary and it's something we have to, yeah, take the time to do. Um, my next question is, what is there one tool that you turn to in times of crisis? I cry. <laughs> I think it's important. Okay, firstly, um, yeah, no, I, I, I believe in letting it out. In term, and for me, I let it out by crying. I think it releases a lot of pressure and it really helps me feel better. Uh, one tool that I personally use is I think when I go through very, very tough days and there are days where I just feel absolutely defeated, which all of us would go through at some mm. point. Um, for me, there was one day I remember about a couple of years back where you know, I came home, I was so defeated at work and I just slouched and sunk into the sofa and I just started to throw myself a pity party mm. and just started to you know, replay uh, you know, the scenes that made me unhappy or why someone said a certain thing or how I responded mm -hmm. or, or things like that that really affected me and I just started to spiral in negativity and, you know, uh, almost, you know, spiraling into depression. So mm -hmm. that was really tough and my husband, he came out and he saw me on the sofa and he was like, oh, what's going on? And I, mm -hmm. and I just responded like, oh, no, don't disturb me. I'm just... Uh, throwing myself a pity party, I am mm. just, yeah, just leave me alone. And, well, he didn't say anything. He just, uh, right after that, he took out his iPhone, you know, and he set a timer. And he said, okay, look, I'm going to give you five minutes. And right after that, you know, you can throw yourself as much pity party as you want and, you know, wellow, wellow in self-pity. Yeah. Uh, but after that, you have to snap out of it when the alarm rings. So he set the timer and I heard it. And then after that, after five minutes, the alarm rang. And, you know, for me, I obviously, you know, like I snoozed and I snoozed <laughs> and I snoozed. But I think what, what 
helped me was really when the alarm rang and since then I have done this every time I feel that I needed to yeah just be upset and just let mm. me let me throw a funeral to something mm. bad that has happened to me however big or small yeah. and for me whenever the alarm rings now I would yes I would sometimes I'll snooze a couple of times but what was most important is that switch in mindset that I needed to mm. snap out of it like you know I tell myself look you have you have given in, given it enough attention. You know you you need to move on, and that was so important for me. So now I feel like wow, I have given it attention. I have addressed it. Uh, I didn't just sweep it under the carpet and you know mm-hmm. put it put this emotional baggage aside. I did take it up and look at it and you know pry it open and addressed it. And for me, after the alarm rings, I would move on, mm-hmm. reflect upon what you know what I learned about learned from it and things like that. And since then, that has been instrumental in forcing me to move on, yeah. and forcing me to, uh, yeah, to just to just know that I cannot keep going back to it. I cannot keep wallowing for extended periods of time because what I realized in the past was that I would keep, like even after a few days, it would still affect me, eh? and I'll get so down. Sometimes you know I would just go to the washroom and just sit, a, sit on the toilet seat and just like. Think about it again and, and replay it. And it's so tough and it's so bad and it consumes you much more than it needs to. Yeah. So with that, I really learned that, wow, however long, you know, sometimes it's 15 minutes for, you know, if it's a really big matter and, you know, mm. three minutes maybe for a, a, a smaller issue. But that, that concept has been crucial to me in mm. helping me to address it, snap out of it and move on. Yeah. And that is so important. Like I would will all of myself mentally and physically to get up and to just move on. And yeah, that has yeah. been so important. Yeah, that's a really good trick. Yeah. I think like growing up, you know, we're kind of taught, I mean, like I feel like my parents and even like teachers, you're taught to just forget about things and yeah. suppress your emotions. Like, oh, come on, move on. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. like, exactly. Really bad happens, move yeah. on, forget about it. Yeah, but, forget about it. And then your feelings get suppressed. And it's like, I always exactly. imagine it like a Coke can. And if you keep, you know, shaking it. It's going to explode. explode one day yeah. And, and so. you don't know what's the cause. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. the worst, right? So for me, it was crucial. And, and I thought that it's so important because I gave it attention. And, and yeah, it, it's not just sweeping it under the carpet. Mm-hmm. That, is, that's, that is so important for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you're, you're giving it, you know, energy to kind of, you know, really pinpoint and articulate what yes. is the problem, what is the learning from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but there's a time limit. You yeah, know, you're not going to continue. To you're right. So I'm not piling up all my yeah, all my totally. different issues. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's good. It's almost yeah. like, yeah, I like that. I think it's mm. a really good um, practical tool as well. Setting mm. the alarm. <laughs> um, so you know, obviously, it's important to surround yourself with other mm. like-minded entrepreneurs, but also. People who are, yeah, like-minded friends and, you know, yeah. even like your partner sounds like he's very much, like for him to do that, to set the alarm. Like, <laughs> brutal. Uh, I know it's brutal, but yeah. it's like the kind of, what's it called? It's the love that you need, the yeah, tough love true. that you need. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's so important and I've learned over the past few years, like the people I surround myself with and you, even subconsciously, you are really affected by, your decision making is really affected by the people yes. around you. Yes. Even if you don't want to or if yeah. you don't realise yeah. it, you know. And, and, so, and just like what they said, right, you're the average of the five yeah. persons you spend your most, most time, time with. with or communicate with. And exactly. I totally believe that as well. Yeah. You know, you see like, you know, smokers hanging out with smokers. Nothing yeah. wrong with smoking, but like, yeah. you know, it, it is, it's true. If you're trying to quit smoking, then yeah. you can hang around with smokers, yeah. you know. And I think yeah. I really value, you know, friendship in my life and I'm also very conscious and very 
uh, particular or mm. where I spend my time and who is. And mm. so my question to you is what what qualities do you look for in a friend mm. or mentor or the people that you surround yourself with? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, two things come to mind. Firstly, self-awareness. I think to me, and I would go as far as saying that I think self-awareness is one of the key, key um Characteristics. How would you define self-awareness? To what makes a successful person, self-awareness is being firstly aware of yourself, Mm -hmm. what drives you, what drains you, your true motivations. Being very honest with yourself Mm -hmm. in certain situations, what's your intention, your strengths, your weaknesses, and being very self-aware of your path in life. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us and a lot of people are. I mean, myself included, you know, especially in my early days, we we, we just do what the world tells us to yeah. do. We do what yeah, our parents yeah. tell us to do, yeah. And it's a lot of peer pressure. But to really pause and to take a step back and to really think, is this really who I am? Am I proud of who I am? I think that's really important to be very self-aware and to be able to catch ourselves in certain times, you know, like, hey, look, I think... That didn't come from a you know a great place or you know look um yeah calling ourselves out for you know maybe I was acting out of an insecurity or you know that was I was acting out of my own ego mm-hmm. and I think it's to me self awareness is key mm-hmm. so knowing ourselves inside out our principles our values what drives us what doesn't drive us um our strengths and weaknesses and secondly of course people with growth mindset, mm-hmm. people who are constantly also challenging their, their, themselves, mm-hmm. their thoughts, their beliefs, constantly learning and growing in this journey, constantly, uh, yeah, I, I think for me that has been key in surviving this entire entrepreneurship journey I'm on as well. Mm. Yeah, so two things, self-awareness and people with really the growth mindset. Yeah, totally, yeah. I think. Because I think, you know, the term self-awareness is kind of thrown around a lot, but I really liked how you described it in self-awareness that stays in their own path. And knowing, I mean, you can never be certain about your purpose or path, but... It's an ongoing you, journey yeah, of exactly. discovery, yeah. But the beginning, I, I always think, you know, I remember when I was, like, on this whole beginning process of trying to find my purpose, even yeah. that alone, the, yeah. the journey to like, starting that yeah. and trying to discover your purpose is a whole element of self-awareness and a whole lot of deep work that exactly. goes into that you know yeah and so it's deep work which yeah. uh, not everyone to be honest can confront about themselves yeah. because you literally have to confront the best and worst of yourself and yeah, yeah. totally it is very confronting and it's not a pleasant experience and yeah. it's obviously very fascinating but yeah there are times where it's actually quite ugly it's like going back into your past yeah. your upbringing and yeah. understanding who you are as an individual yeah. but yeah, it's interesting. I think you can very quickly know when you have a conversation now, if you've done the work, if if someone else has done the work, you know. It's true. It's true. You're right, so yeah. You're right. You can spot the woke one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so my next question is, um, what's one value you've lived by throughout the years that has kind of helped you to develop your mindset? Um, in the space of well-being and developing a more holistic lifestyle? Hmm. I think one value or, or, or one question that has guided me throughout, it's also really, um, am I proud of 
who I am in whatever season that I'm going through. Am I proud of who I am? I look into the mirror and ask myself. And there have been seasons where my answer has been no. And I knew that something has to change. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, the weekly reflections come in and I'll just look through my journal and, you know, find, you know, hmm, what were some of the, where did I start straying against mm. who I really, really am meant to be or, you know, who I, deep down I really am. And I think for me, it's also not posturized, uh, uh, posturing in that sense. And just remaining true and authentic to who I am, uh, that has been quite a key guiding question in my life. Um, yeah, am I proud of who I am in this season? Yeah. yeah. I think journaling is such a powerful tool. I started doing it back in 2016. Mm. I almost like get itchy feet if I haven't done it for a few days now. Yeah, that's great, itchy right? Hands, itchy hands, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an so amazing tool. When you read back, you just think, wow, those are the things that I prayed for, like it was like wishing for, and, and now you have it. Yeah, But it's you true. so quickly forget if you don't write it down. You're right, and we take for granted. And, mm. and, and, and for me, yeah, journaling is a great space for me to just be completely honest with myself. And, mm. and yeah, sometimes even, you know, for example maybe embarrassed in confessing or writing certain things. Mm -hmm. But it's so important for me because ultimately this is the accountability that I need with myself. Yeah, and to be able to confront that and change course, mm -hmm. I think that, that that has been super crucial in my life. Have you heard of Morning Pages? No. I'm not sure if you've heard of the book, um, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Wow, no. Have you heard of it? Yeah, she's, it's, quite pop it's got quite popular over the past year, but she introduces the concept of morning pages which is essentially journaling but journaling with like it's like a brain dump like waking up and writing like you know writing the first first thing you do when you wake up is to you know pen to paper and wow. really just like because you're writing from a stream of unconsciousness yeah. so it's very um it's very candid oh, it's wow. very kind of you know you're not even trying to over over yeah, overthink over you just yeah. really write it down you're almost like you know from bed to to journaling <laughs> But yeah, it's quite a powerful tool, I guess. It's just like a different way of journaling. Wow, but, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, read up more about that. Yeah. Um, but speaking of morning routines, do you have a specific morning routine? Well, <laughs> to be honest, common in this state of my life. Uh, yeah, since all these come, like, I firstly do not even have fixed and proper sleeping hours. So literally every three hours, because all you wake uh, every three hours to drink. Yeah. And so... My life is in every three hours, so as much as I can, I will catch some sleep and things like that. So in this stage of my journey, I, I do not have a morning routine. I mean, every time I'm up, I just have to check on Ollie mm. or just you know, feed he prepare to feed him and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, before Ollie came along, I, I, I think for me, uh, my morning routine was, and, and it, it was more of a morning habit. I tried not to look at my phone the first thing that mm. I wake up because that would immediately direct my attention to being more reactive rather than purposefully responding to the day. Because mm -hmm. usually when I check my phone, you know, it will be emails or messages yeah. of certain issues or work that, you know, I would want to you respond to. Yeah. yeah. So for me, and then, and, and then I realized that, oh my goodness, time has passed, my intention for the day has passed. Uh, and and I, I realized that I did not really like that. So I tried to be very intentional about not 
looking at my phone the first thing mm-hmm. when I wake up. Just so that when I brush my teeth and, you know, do my morning routine in the washroom, I also take time to think about what I want to accomplish for the day, mm-hmm. set my intentions for the day, before going to the emails and messages where it would consume mm-hmm. a lot of me. And, and, and I think most importantly, it would cause me to be very reactive to my day and for the rest of the day. So I've realised that setting the intention in the beginning of my day has helped me to also be more conscious and mindful throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a trickle if trickle down effect for me. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So by setting your intention, is that just like yes. thinking about it? Is it clearing my mind? It it's just thinking, okay, it's Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, I have a big meeting at 2 o'clock today, uh, what do I want to achieve? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what are some people that I'm going to meet you know, uh, during the day? Uh, what do I want to achieve in my meeting? Yeah. Uh, you know, just things like, yeah, oh, or if I have a checkup, you know, okay, what do I want to achieve? Questions that I want to make sure I want to ask my doctor, uh, things like that. Yeah, so just being proactive. Just being very proactive and correct. mindful. Yeah. 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 Um, last couple of questions. I know you're a big reader. What is one yes. book you would recommend to a friend and why? Wow. <laughs> yes, tough comment. Yeah, I think it also it also depends firstly on what my friend is going through at, at what season of her life it's she's so going thoughtful. through. That's true. Oh I think it's very I would recommend very different books. Yeah, for different people at yeah. different stages. To be honest, I think there's not I mean I, uh, yeah, different books have helped me so much at different stages mm. of my life. For example, if uh, you're running a business and also depending on what stage I think Jim Collins is amazing mm. I love his books and I I find myself going back to it again and again at different what stages of my of business uh, good to great how the oh, mighty fall uh, I think it's key key concepts that have really helped me as well so I think that's something that mm. I would introduce um, one of the books that has been instrumental in my journey when I was uh, going through a very, very down period in my entrepreneurship journey and mm-hmm. Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Oh, so yeah. I read that when I was in, in 2014 and that has been instrumental into, in, in yeah, the yeah. way I look at my business as well and my purpose. Um, I love, love James Clear. Uh, I love his articles uh, and I love the book that he wrote, Atomic Habits. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah I, I think... That. It's so, so, so applicable in everyday life. And yeah. I find that even for myself, in this season of my journey, I'm rereading it to find you know, new habits that I need to develop mm-hmm. uh, as I find my rhythm yeah, with you know, motherhood. So, yeah, it really depends. And there's so many great books out yeah. there, but these are some of them. Yeah. No, honestly, habits, I'm, the more and more I'm doing, I wish... Like growing up as a child, my parents kind of. You are right. Like, no, I you just, are right. Do you ever think they have to like teach this in not, school? Yeah. E- even to teach us in school, right? Exactly. Yeah, but it's never too late, Carmen. Now no. we are. <laughs> no, 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 plasticity. But like yeah. when I think about it, I always think of, you know, our thoughts affect our actions, which affect our habits, you know, repeated. On no, exactly. Basis, which then becomes our character. Yes. And then that what. That's what becomes who you are. No, you're right. It all starts from, well, obviously thoughts, but the habits are the key component. Yeah, back to being self-aware. But self-awareness to me is also being able to know your thoughts and Mm -hmm. know what you're thinking of. I mean, some of us, we just go through life without being unconscious, unconscious, which is sad. And to me, knowing your thoughts, because our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Mm. So if we do not like where our life is moving towards, we need to change yeah. our thoughts, change yeah, our mindsets, yeah, totally. and build habits that help us go towards 
what we want to achieve. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, consciousness. If anyone's listening to this and wants to read more, I recommend the, um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Yes. Who I just spoke to Rachel about. Um, about He just totally deconstructs the ego and goes really deep into their oh, conscience. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, like, I think I'm, I like calling, I'm reading this book and I'm like calling myself out on things. I'm like, <laughs> it's another level wow. of self-awareness. That's yeah. great. I need to pick it up again. Yeah, yeah. read it again. Okay. Okay, last question I have here is, yeah. if you could have a billboard with your own quote posted on it, what would it say? With my own quote posted on it? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a... Well, let's see. Okay. I I love this quote, firstly, by Ralph Waldo Emerson, where he says, being yourself in a world that is trying to Okay, no, let me repeat. He says, being yourself in a world that's constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest achievement. Mm. And how I read it when I when I first saw it, it was like, wow. He didn't say, you know, earning a first million or <laughs> setting up five businesses or, you know, or, or, you know, owning luxury items. Mm. But he said, being yourself in a world that's constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest mm. accomplishment. And I think for me that huge and I do not want to at the end of my life go through realizing that wow I half of my life was spent you know trying to be someone else and not living true to my purpose mm. I, I think I if I could have a quote on a billboard you know I would really perhaps say something like you know take the time to discover embrace and be yourself and a lot of times, to be honest, it takes a lot of courage to be yeah, able to do that. Sure. Because even for myself, I've realized that a lot of things that even in, for example, running a business or being a leader, I do not conform actually to what the world always glamorizes great leaders to be, mm-hmm. you know, or, or what textbook uh, great leadership mm-hmm. should be like. So, yeah, I think it takes courage. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, I agree that it's, the most important accomplishment in life to stay true to yourself. Yeah, to stay true to yourself. Yeah. It's such a hard thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. When you're being told from someone to stay out to. Yeah. And when there's so much pressure around and you look to your left and to your right where your friends are, you know, achieving success in mm. these areas and you envy them and you know, mm. I think to me, yeah. That's the thing, we all have different timelines, right? We and do. And we have different yeah. paths to success. Yeah, exactly. I think that's most important, right? And it doesn't mean that yeah, like back to my point, it doesn't mean that you need to be an entrepreneur to succeed mm-hmm. in life. No, yeah. we are all wired differently. We all have a different makeup. And that's the beauty of mm-hmm. it. And I think to me, it's important to just have fun discovering yeah. it, being honest with yourself and embracing it. It's such a journey for me even, but it's so important. It's been so instrumental. Yeah, just like running your own, running your own, running in your own lane. Right? Yes. Running it's so hard because it's like you're constantly looking left and right. Yeah, back, so put your blinders on mm-hmm. and... Yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. I just had this conversation with you. So much for your insights and to finally meet you and everything. I'm Likewise. sure our audience will um, be really inspired. Um, just for you know, social preferences. <laughs> for people who want to find you on social media, um, they can obviously find your love Benito, right? And your personal. What's your personal handle? Miss Rach. M S underscore R A C H. Miss Rachel. Mm. Okay, well, um, we'll be making sure the um, 
interview is transcribed and put on the website at another startup story so you can read it on there. But thank you so much again, Rachel. Thank you.